And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how's your week going? Pretty well. I've just been sitting here wondering what would happen when I get the message from Zoom saying that the meeting's being recorded if I just left. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. We need you here. That's how we record the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. And it's an important editor's show because it's the first yep. editor's show after what was the Chiefs' first preseason game, a 19-16 to win over the San Francisco 49ers. And we will have our very first marinated takeaways of 2021. That's coming to you after the break. But first, we need to get into some news. And the first has to do, John... With the NFL top 100, we had our first chief on Sunday night. Can you tell us more about it? Well, it's uh, Tyron Matthew, who came in at 58 uh, in the list of 100, which is 19 spots lower than he was in 2020. Um, I feel like he's being undervalued here. Said so when I wrote the piece about it. Um, But, you know, I, I... I think it's one of those deals where we see him differently than the rest of the league does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in certain metrics, uh, he doesn't measure very well. If you look him up on pro football focus, they don't think he's all that great, but um, you know, what he brings to the chiefs and what he's brought to the teams he's played for before the chiefs uh, isn't really captured very well uh, by any metric. And I think that's the that's what we've got going on here is that uh, he just isn't seen the same way around the league as he is here in Kansas City. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think we understand not only what he means in his own right, but he, what he means for the rest of the defensive back room. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. why why we feel maybe he's more valuable than, as you were saying, the rest of the league. Now, if you go back to last year's list. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was number four, which we didn't like. We actually said at airheadpride.com. We were never going to cover the NFL top 100 again, but we lied. We changed our mind. We didn't lie. We changed our mind. You can change your mind. Sorry. Sorry. You're allowed allowed to change your mind. We'll Um, edit this. We'll edit that out. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're covering it again. Patrick Mahomes was number four, which was ridiculous. Uh, Next was Travis Kelsey, number 18. Um, Matthew was on the list at number 39, as you mentioned, John. Chris Jones was at number 52. Frank Clark was at number 95. And I missed somebody. It was Tyreek Hill at number 22. What this means, I believe, with Tyron Matthew popping up and Frank Clark, Frank Clark was off the list. And he was at 95 anyway. Did not have a great year last year, as we all know. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Those other guys should be above. And we'll see if they are higher ranked. I think each of them has a case to be even higher ranked this year. For you guys who want to watch the NFL Top 100, 100 to 41 was revealed on August 15th. 40 to 11 will be revealed on August 22nd. And then the top 10 will be revealed on August 29th. Last year, they did it in four straight days. This year, it seems like they've spread it out. It it really feels like they do something different for the NFL Top 100 every single year. And thanks this a is, lot. Thanks. This is, yeah, it's very hard to, to get the schedule correct. But so this this is the new schedule. Again, 100 to 41 on Sunday. We got Matthew. 
42-11, August 22nd, and then the top 10 on August 29th. I got to think that Patrick Mahomes should be number one, and who knows if Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey break even into the top 10. I tend to think you'll get Chris Jones on that 42-11. But there's some... Absolutely, yeah. There's some promise, I think, for those offensive players to break within the top 10, John. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, And and I think you're exactly right. I I think what this means that Matthew is outside of the top 40 is that there's another player from the Chiefs who's inside the top 40. And I think it's Chris Jones. Um, You just said it was 52 last year, right? I didn't go back and look it up like you did, but I think that's right. And, um, uh, And he certainly deserves to be among the top 40 players of the league. So I think that's what we're going to see. Uh, when the next section is revealed. Yeah, he was number 52. And I tend to think he'll be on that next night. Probably one of the Chiefs and Tyree Killer, Travis Kelsey will also be on that night. I'm thinking that they maybe could be in the top 10, but who knows? Uh, This is voted on by the players, by the way. So if you're wondering, how did they come up with this? Uh, They hand out ballots and the players fill out their top players. And lo and behold, that's how uh, you get it. Remember, Patrick Mahomes watches this show because he counts it to to four on his fingers because... Uh, Lamar Jackson <laughs> was number one last year. So uh, let's keep that in mind. All and, right. You know, I do want to point out one other yes. thing when I was scanning the list uh, today, uh, preparing the article that we published on arrowheadbride.com. The only other thing that I noticed that caught my attention was George Kittle at 50. Mm. So whatever, whatever else we see this year, the NFL players as a whole think Travis Kelsey is a lot better than George Kittle. I mean, do I have to say it's about damn time? Why do we have to right, keep saying right. this? Yeah. Why did it go that? <laughs> if you are religious in listening to Arrowhead Pride content, you know that this has bugged me. Rob Gronkowski gave yeah. up the crown and somehow it skipped Travis Kelsey and went right to George Kittle, which, okay, you had that year where he had more yardage than Travis Kelsey. Kelsey was number two in the By league. By what? Like 12 yards or something? It was. There's <laughs> no more, at least for one year, one year only, because who knows? what Trey Lance and, and George Killer are going to end up having in store for the league this year. But for one year only, at least, Travis Kelsey's finally getting some of the respect um, that he deserves. I hate to note this, and we'll talk more about it, I, but <laughs> he showed up with no mustache today. Uh, mustache Monday is no more. Uh, what a disappointment. I was ex- incredibly disappointed uh, at training camp. I hope that he doesn't lose his tight end superpowers with the mustache saying goodbye why our mustache is back in to an extent all of a sudden because fashion always comes back around let this be a lesson don't throw out any clothes uh, keep those old <laughs> pictures because they're going to come in useful in about 20 years all right keep your confederate money that's right all right the injury report return to practice um on monday defensive end frank clark had the hamstring issue linebacker willie gay concussion protocol he was on the way back defensive tackle Derek Nottie, defensive end Alex Okafor, and then right tackle Mike Remmers. Still injured, tight end Evan Bayless, wide receiver Antonio Callaway, linebacker Riley Cole, right guard Laurent Vinay Tardif, defensive end Malik Herring, right guard Kyle Long, running back Elijah McGuire, stemming from the game. What's big here? Frank Clark, that's, that one is obvious. Willie Gay, to me, was having the best camp of any defensive mm-hmm. player before yeah. entering the concussion protocol. Derek Nottie's huge. You got depth in Alex Okafor. And Mike Remmers is back. And according to Andy Reid, he is still very much in the right tackle conversation. I think that's Andy Reid 
treating his veteran with some respect. I think this is Lucas Niang's job to lose now, but we do have to mention Remmers is back in the mix. The head coach was asked about it and he didn't rule it out at practice today. Remmers for what it's worth was working as a second team left tackle. If you just cringed, you should, uh, because that should not be the backup left tackle for this team. If anything, I think he fits really more so as a, a backup right tackle, but it, it is a, you know, if you think about the offensive line, it is bolstered, but if there is a weakness, it is going to be the depth at tackle, not the starters, mm-hmm. but the depth. Yeah. And I think that was a reminder today with Mike Remmers being back from injury and immediately being your second team left tackle. That is not ideal. And, and not to say that injuries are going to happen, but you never know. It's not last year. Um, so if there is a weakness to this rebuilt offensive line, it is the tackle depth, as I was saying. Makes me wonder, I don't know if I've said this before on this particular show, it does make me wonder when Kyle Long is back in the mix, if they kick him out, which they have done with him in his career before. And so, you know, I I think that might be useful. We'll see what happens right now. He's still on the PUP list, but those are your injuries. Anything jump out to you, John? Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, sitting here as we record on uh, Monday afternoon, and you're on TV here in my office wearing nice. the same shirt. So some kind of time warp has occurred here. Excellent. I don't know quite what to make of it. So, <laughs> Well, I recorded earlier with 41, multiple screens for John right now. I hate that you're having to deal with two of me. One probably seems like too much sometimes. So I appreciate uh, that you're handling that with pure class. I want to add, talk about one other piece of news, and then we're going to take that quick break and get into our first marinated takeaways of what is the offseason and the season. Juan Thornhill continues to work with the second team and third team at practice. It seemed like he was playing quite a bit the other night. It does seem like there's a effort with the team to, in a way, get his legs back under him and there might be a confidence thing going on with him. Interesting. I did note that he was among the rookies and quarterbacks when they reported initially for camp. And we thought it was a little bit odd. We know about the ACL thing. There had been a groin thing that he was working through. Now you're starting to get some of these interesting tweets or subtweets where He's got the wonder emoji and he's putting rise above and tweets like that. I don't think there's any room necessarily for panic, but it's on my radar for for one reason or another. And I'm not exactly sure what to make of it. If you're wondering at camp pretty consistently when there's been two safeties on the field, it's been Tyron Matthew and Daniel Sorensen. And you would have thought, okay, Maybe that'll be the case to begin camp. But here we are, John, as you were saying, on August 16th, uh, you'll be hearing this recording on August 17th, where Juan Thornhill is not a starter. Uh, and that, to me, does raise my eyebrows a little bit. Well, for much of last season, he wasn't a starter and the team got by all right. Yeah. Uh, but it is concerning because this is a player that we thought uh, would be a good long-term player at the back end of the defense. When he was drafted, he was very good in his rookie season. So, yeah, it's concerning. But, uh, you know, Andy Reid went out of his way today to say that we shouldn't be concerned, that they're just working him back in. Unfortunately, as you noted, we've heard this story before. 
Right. And um, and uh, we didn't really like how it came out last year that he wasn't on the field as much as we would have liked to see. So, um, you know, it's definitely something we're going to be talking about here uh, as the the preseason continues. Just he played quite a bit. 40 snaps the other night, 57%. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, you're getting the starter treatment, you're pulled. And so what it says to me is he's still working through something. I don't know mm. if it's a skill thing. Who knows if it's an injury thing, just feeling a little bit more comfortable. Maybe a combination of both. Just worth noting. I don't know what exactly it means. I, I think we're all hoping and wishing that this young man can get back to where he was at the end of 2019 because he was looking sure. like an all pro. And we've seen in Kansas City with defensive backs, this will make fans shudder, but I don't know why I just thought of this, but like Philip Gaines, for example, was a great young player for the Chiefs, had this injury and then never really got back to where he was prior to. And not to say it's an exact comparison because uh, I think Juan Thornhill is a better player overall than a, a Philip Gaines. But I just wonder if we are ever going to see that version of him that was approaching Pro Bowl All-Pro status as a rookie. Mm-hmm. When he, it, it just, what a terrible set of circumstances. And, you know, there, it just, I get the sense that there's a little bit of something there and we don't exactly know what it is at this point. Well, it's, it's not like it's unheard of for a player to be injured in their rookie season and never fully come back from it. Now, I'm not predicting that, wishing right. that, any of those things. I'm just saying that this is something that we sometimes see. Mm-hmm. And we have to be prepared for the possibility that that could be what's going on with Thornhill. I don't think so. Yeah. I, you know, they, they're talking as if he's going to come around on it. Tyron Matthews spoke about this at great length last year when he was still struggling to find his way back from the ACL injury from the year before. And he said, you know, it took me a, more than a year to come back from mine and we should give this guy some patience. And, and I think he was right. But now it's starting to be a little worrisome. We'll see what happens with Juan Thornhill as we get closer to that second preseason game on Friday night. I think that'll certainly be a point to watch, but we're not going to turn the page yet. We have our marinated takeaways to get to, and John and I will get to them after the break right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, the first Editor's Show after the Chiefs first preseason game, which was a 19 to 16 win in San Francisco. John, the hero of the night. I knew you were going to predict it. Shane Bouchelle <laughs> out of the woodwork, willing the Chiefs to a 19 16 victory with the go ahead drive at the end of the game, the one yard run and the defense locked it down. Yeah. You got to love to see that even in a preseason game. I, I, Thought it was fun. I know that it doesn't matter at all, but I think at the end of the night, there is something right in your bones that is like, well, this would feel better if the Chiefs win, <laughs> right? Like, right, right. It doesn't matter at all. But you're watching, if you watch the entire preseason game, I know there's a lot of you that might have checked out after Patrick Mahomes and the defense, the top team defense got out. But if you did watch the whole game, there was something in you in the fourth quarter. That's like, come on, Shane, let's get this done. <laughs> anyway, came through Jody Fortson had an assist on that as did Elijah McGuire, as did Tim Ward on the other side, but those aren't our marinated takeaways. Come on. Those are the backups of the backups. We need to talk about some of the starters, John, 
I'm going to let you go first. We didn't tell each other our takeaways, which is a change mm -hmm. from last mm -hmm. year. Usually yeah. we would put these in an outline. Change this year. We're going to see if this works a little bit better, see if it's a little bit more entertaining uh, to be surprised by each other. So go ahead and start us off, John. Well, I think that um, one thing that's occurred to me uh, that has been made very clear, I actually thought this before the game, but I'm certain of it now, is that linemen one-on-ones in training camp are essentially equivalent to quarterback interceptions. Remember uh, a couple of years ago when Patrick Mahomes was throwing interceptions in training camp and people were going crazy about it. And it turned out it was because Patrick Mahomes was trying things in training camp to see if they would work right. and uh, deliberately doing things that might not pan out just to see, you know, how it would play out if he did. And that apparently is what the linemen, the offensive linemen and the defensive linemen were doing in their one-on-ones against each other during training camp. People were going crazy about Orlando Brown being eaten alive by a defensive lineman, and he was fine. Uh, obviously not for very many snaps on Saturday night, but um, when he said that he was just using those opportunities to try out different things, he was telling the truth. Yeah, it did seem like that. And for what it's worth, even at camp, during the scrimmage portions, the team periods, he looked like a different player. It was a little mm -hmm. concerning to me. And on the panic level, maybe two or three out of 10, because he was getting kills in the water. We're not talking <laughs> <was>. about, <laughs> yeah. we're not talking about getting beat here or there. It was just a speed rush every time. And he looked like he was falling over. And so I, I think it was fair to have a little bit of concern, but you watch the game and you're right. There wasn't a ton of reason to have any concern about Orlando Brown or really the top team offensive line. This was actually among my takeaways and I had it as my number five, the offensive line is going to make for a fun year for the chiefs offense. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I go to Andy Reed and you know, you think about one of the better offensive minds in the game. Now he has his Madden designer quarterback, which is like Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and Alex Smith. And maybe there's a little Kevin Cobb in there, who knows, but all in all in one, maybe a lot less, a less, less cop um, into this designer quarterback. He's got his Brian Westbrook running back. That's the type of running back that he wants this dual threat type of running back, the fastest receiver in the league. He's got a souped up dynamic tight ends that plays like a receiver blocking tight ends behind him. Now in Blake bell coming back, which who was the blocking tight end on his only title team. And now the offensive line to get all these plays that he has in mind uh, done to me, he was making that other offensive line work. Whereas this is again, guys that he went out with Brett Feach and said, no, this is what I want. And so it's complete. The Andy Reid Madden creator offense, in a sense, is complete in real life. So I think we are in for some really fun plays. And what a way to start with the very first snap being a 10-yard run play when it did seem like last year, even before the line got hurt, Clyde didn't always get a ton of room to work with. And I'm mm -hmm. eager to see what he yeah. was able to do with some of these gaps. Flipping it for my top takeaway of this game. The defensive line, just like Andy Reid said, should have been getting more attention all along. Jaron Reid has been, I think, the player to be injected that is going to make all the difference with Chris Jones on the outside, who looks like an all pro, I think, defensive end. And then what you saw was the changeup factor now. So now he's lining up outside, lining up outside, lining up outside. You bring him in all of a sudden, boom, 
right to the quarterback, a seven yard sack. And I also think what's been impressive too is the depth of the defensive line. We talked about Turk Wharton, but Tim Ward. Now I said on our post game show after, and I still feel this way a couple days later, Tim Ward, it would be hard to cut him after watching that effort. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. he needed that. He needed that type of output in a game to make the case. Saunders was another one. Andy Reid, after the game, wasn't really mentioning a ton of players by name specifically, but he made sure to call out 99 after what was a week in which the defensive staff. So now you have two players who, to me, were question marks at the beginning of training camp in yeah. Colin Saunders and Tim Warden. I just don't know how they're not a part of this club once the 53-man roster deadline is made. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. That's, a, that's going to be a very difficult decision for the Chiefs to make. Um, you know, who do you let go? You know, I don't know. Um, it's I, I just don't know. So that may be yet another place where the Chiefs might have to think about keeping an extra player and right. not keeping another player in another group. And, you know, this is going to be a tough 53 to guess, I think. Worth reminding everyone right now, too, we are releasing this podcast on Tuesday morning, three o'clock Arrowhead time later today, Tuesday. That's when the Chiefs need to get their roster to 85 players. So look for those cuts at arrowheadpride.com. All right, John, your next marinated takeaway. Uh, this is going to be a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde take. Um, Dr. Jekyll, the kind research doctor, right. is going to say calmly that we shouldn't worry about Harrison Butker missing an extra point in a preseason game. After all, he nearly made a 62-yarder. He was fined from 52 yards in the game. Uh, he remains to be one of the NFL's best place kickers. And uh, now I'll have a drink of this potion here. And Mr. <laughs> Hyde says, oh, my God, he's missed an extra point oh, wow. in the ball game. We're going to oh, lose a game by a point. Oh, I, like, I like this bit. I Sorry. like it. It's, it's, a, it's a bad problem to have because if he's missing field goals in general, that feels fixable. The fact sure. that he's nailing these 50 yarders and then somehow is doinking an extra point is concerning. And it's not concerning against teams. You're going to blow out of the water. And let me be honest. There's a lot of teams that the chiefs are just going to blow out of water and sure. this is not going to yeah. matter, but there's teams that are close to them, right? Like you're going to play AFC teams and especially against teams like a Buffalo bills who are supposed to be threatening. You now you're going to need those Browns. games, Cleveland Browns. What if it, comes down to a two-point game and you need a field goal that's 40 yards away. Yeah. You, you think that, are, are you as a fan, are you as a reporter, are you as a writer, 100% confident that with the game on the line, Butker's going to be nails from 35? The answer to me is no. Uh, no one is 100% confident right now. And I, I think, like, it's is it the number one issue with the team? Is it something where you got to go crazy and even bring in a kicker? I don't think it's to that point yet. But the conversation is starting, starting to begin a little bit there. And yeah. that's not a good place to be in. No, not at all. All right. Better news. And that's Patrick Mahomes at 25. He just doesn't need the preseason anymore. That is, <laughs> that's the confidence level. And I think rightly so that the coaching staff has in him. Maybe it has a little bit to do with the turf toe and you're just not wanting to take a chance. Everybody understands that if Patrick Mahomes were to be lost, that's the season anyway. So why even, but I, I just, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like this is a player who ha could have no reps in the preseason 
And I would be just as confident. Like my confidence would not wane a point of a percentage if he didn't play any reps. Well, he got four reps on Saturday night. And it was a change from that Andy Reid routine we talk about to let the offensive line stay in with Chad Henney. Usually just mm-hmm. the entire unit comes out. But this is a very special situation, a circumstance for the best player in the NFL who simply doesn't need the reps. By the way, if you're wondering, we did ask today about Patrick Mahomes and he should be getting more than four snaps in the next game. But who needs him to play more than four? I don't. I don't think it's going to make a difference as far as confidence with the team. So he got his reps. He got a few plays and then he was on to his interview with Kay Adams and the the broadcast. And that was it. (laughs) Yeah, but there is one thing about this that does matter. And Reed touched on it today in the press conference is that the line needs to hear his voice. They need to get used to him in a live game situation. They have to get used uh, to it because no one in the world sounds like that too. That mean, we'd have to well, that's that. right. That's right. And so that's the only thing that's concerning about that. I agree with you. From a confidence level, I'm not at all worried sure. about whether or not Patrick Mahomes gets snaps in the preseason. But with a new offensive line, I think you know, it's something to be thinking about now. And, and Reed touched on that. He said, you know, we have to find the balance between health which, of course, is always the concern with your starting quarterback in the free preseason and getting the offensive line accustomed to working with him. I think he ends up getting a quarter yeah. in this next game, but that's it. And this is going to be the least that you ever see Mahomes. Like, to me, this was a sign. I, I know that we had talked about how they may play the ones in the third game, and it might just look like, who knows? Mahomes just might be a special circumstance, and I think this was the first sign of that where they say, yeah, everybody else is going to play in game three. Pat, <laughs> we think you're okay. We, 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 you might be, you might be fine here. Chad right, Henney starting the third game. Is that what you're, what you're Possibly, suggesting here? Cause yeah. I, it might be Chad Henney with the, you know, the offensive line and you just say, okay, Patrick's ready. I just think there's an understanding now. It's just wild at the age of 25 where we're good. We, we know, we know you're going to be fine. You're going to be Pat. So, all right, John. Okay. Um, I'm still thinking about Jody Fortson. I have I him on my it. list too. Uh, yeah, I wrote about it on on Sunday night, and people got after me because I was even suggesting the possibility that he might be the second tight end. But he was the top skill player in the snap counts on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, no other skill player had more. No other offensive skill player had more snap counts than uh, Fortson did, and he was running with the ones today up at training camp. But then again, you know, they put Blake Bell in front of the media today. That isn't always an indicator, but sometimes it is. And he only was on the field for a small number of steps, like a a small number of snaps, like the rest of the starters. So there is an indicator that maybe Bell is going to continue to be the second tight end. But, you know, it's always fun to be excited about an undrafted player who's been with the team on the practice squad for a couple of years and has been showing out in camp. I'd sure like to see this guy get somewhere uh, after changing positions this year. Everything that I said about Tim Ward really translates to Jody Fortson and the camp mm-hmm. that he's had. Problem is we've been here before with Jody Fortson, right? but that was as a wide receiver. He's now put on 20 pounds of muscle. He's getting rave reviews from everyone in the tight end room about how far he's come. You could see it, and it, it's not only in shorts and shells where he has been a stud in the past. It also translated to the padded practices, and now it translated to the game. The three catches for the 32 yards, 
on the five targets. And, you know, we joked about Shane Bouchelle and the game-winning drive before. Just an incredible play on that final drive to really put the Chiefs in a position to win the game. And I, I think also, too, he's got some of that explosive athleticism that has been advertised about Noah Gray, I think, in the future. But we're getting a little bit of that from Fortson, like right now in front of us. Mm-hmm. The numbers game is what makes you question, could right. the Chiefs really keep four tight ends? Where is that other number going to come from? That's my thing. Is it one less offensive lineman? Is it not keeping the fullback, which who knows now that we saw him, Mike Burton, I'm talking about, getting time with Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. on the field and Clyde yeah. Edwards-Alaire. Hard to wrap your head around where that number comes from, but at the same time, it's, well, how could he possibly be cut with the performance that he's had? So I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't have an answer for you. Now, here's a completely crazy thought, and understand I'm not predicting this, but here's a completely crazy thought. What if the fourth tight end position comes out of the wide receiver group? After you know, Jody Fortson has put on this muscle so that he can play as a tight end, and then they <laughs> he might have made the team anyway. <laughs> the worst wide receiver of the six has been Cornell Powell. And they're mm-hmm. not going to cut a, a draft pick, we don't think. Has it ever happened? It's happened. Cornell Powell looked a little bit better in this game, especially toward the end. There was a point where he was drawing mm-hmm. separation and he just couldn't. Yep. Couldn't get the ball. I I don't know. Maybe they keep 26 offensive players and 24 defensive players. That's not something that is like it's not, you know, that's happened before in the in the past. Sure. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't I don't know hey, where that extra spot comes from. I think they cut a drafted player in 2013. Kevari Russell. When they uh, no, I thought I was thinking it was a fullback. I thought they drafted a fullback. Was it the next year that they got Sorensen? I'd have was, to look it up. There was a defensive back named Kavari Russell, certainly yeah, in Dorsey. I remember era, that. Who, who yeah. was a third rounder, and the yeah. Chiefs ended up moving on fairly quickly. Yeah. So it's not impossible, but I think they're going to give Cornell Powell more time. So I'm just wondering where that number comes from because you're going to want to see him make the 53. The drafted players, if if they end up cut, usually end up getting claimed. So I don't know if they would want to take a chance with someone. Like Pal, even if they were intending on putting him on the practice squad. And the thing, too, is now you got to think, and this is something I mentioned on the post game, everyone sees the tape now of yeah. these players. So it's hard to hide someone completely unless you decide they're not going to play in the preseason. All right. I'm going to my final takeaway because you stole a couple. And that's the beauty of us not telling each other anymore. <laughs> okay. We always talk about the general manager, Brett Veach, former first and second rounders. They're high picks, right? Mm hmm. And they end up typically either cut or as a fair contributor for the Chiefs. Now, where does it change for me? I think, kind of a bold take here, I think cornerback DeAndre Baker may be the first former first rounder for Brett Beach, the Brett Beach special, if you will, that plays like a first rounder. Because a lot of times these guys are thrown away and they become contributors, i.e. Taco Charlton last year. Still Mm -hmm. not a first-round defensive end. But I think the Chiefs maybe got themselves a true first-round cornerback with the way Baker was playing the other night. Yeah, I saw a stat today that he was targeted six times and they didn't get a reception out of him. Isn't that? PFF, yeah. It came through on PFF on Twitter this morning. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that could be. Now, Mike Hughes also played well. Worth um, being said, too, we were at camp today. Yeah. Mike Hughes was still in that spot. Don't forget, mm-hmm. he's in a battle with Rashad Fenton and Baker for what is the um, nickel cornerback, outside right cornerback position in the nickel. It was still Hughes today. We're going to go back up tomorrow. We'll see if Baker gets more cracks when the pads come, pads come back on, presumably. Well, here's an even bolder take, then, mm. that both Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker become Chiefs players who are success stories after being drafted in the first round by other teams. Now, yours is still going to be right because they acquired Baker first. Right. <laughs> they didn't acquire Hughes until well, this year. Well, what I'm saying so, is, so to me, yeah. Mike Hughes is going to be on this team. Yeah. But it's probably going to be as a reserve or a guy that can go on different positions. Maybe mm-hmm. he also does punt returning, kicking, right. which he had a nice night. And yes, he did. Teams. What I'm saying my point is, and this is my marinated takeaway slash bold prediction, is that maybe Baker is the first former first rounder that Brett Veach, we always call it the Brett Veach special, that actually plays to that level. Of, mm, I see. And a better chance, I think, too, just given the circumstances and why he was released. We know about that off the field situation. And a lot of times these first rounders that become available, they didn't live up to their bill at X team. This was a different type of situation where I think the Giants felt compelled because of all the off-the-field stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about talent. And so right. I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse of that in the first preseason game. I'm, I'm really excited to continue watching Baker for these next two preseason games. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, one of these has to work. You know, you... Well, it's it, not like they haven't worked. It's just not yeah. been to that level, right. you know? Right. Right. So. Where you get that kind of performance out of what you would expect from a first round player. Absolutely. You got anything else as far as takeaways or is that it? Um, I thought it was interesting that the uh, top snap counts on offense on Saturday night were from Nick Allegretti, Yassir Durant, Andrew Wiley, Austin Blythe, and Prince Tega Wanogo. Those are the top five snap count leaders from Saturday night, which I think suggests that those are the guys who are most in the running to be the backups. I think that makes sense. No, it's a good thought. And I also think if the Chiefs do wind up keeping, let's say, nine instead of 10 offensive linemen, because that's usually the number Mm -hmm. you're you're trying to find numbers for for Jody Fortson. Um, Maybe it's nine (laughs) offensive linemen and you're trying to figure out which players are worth keeping as far as on the 53. Uh, which can you maybe get away with with sliding down to the practice squad um, where you have a lot of tape and you say, I don't, I don't really think a team's going to pick up this guy. Maybe that's Prince, for example, and you can mm-hmm. keep him on the practice squad. Um, no, it's a, I think that's a good thought. And I think the Chiefs are still very much figuring out the depth of this offensive line. I do feel like they, they have the starters. Like, I don't think yeah. Mike oh, Rimmers yeah. is going to get back into uh, a position yeah. to, to start at right tackle. I think he's going to profile as that swing tackle. And I think Andrew Wiley offers you some value there too with just the versatility in a sense. Like not, not to say that these guys would necessarily be considered world beaters, but when you're talking about backup offensive linemen and keeping nine or 10, sometimes you prefer the guys that can play multiple positions. And that's what Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley are. And they come with experience, which we know Andy Reid values despite projecting here to play three rookies on the right side of the line. Well, so does Alec Gretty for that matter. So does right. Blythe, both of yeah. them. Uh, experience at center and guard. And Allegretti actually got some some snaps at center on Saturday night, which I don't think we had seen at the pro level from him. I think he's always been a guard 
I, I don't recall that we've seen any snaps from him. At yeah, you in know, Allegretti has been getting center snaps up at camp, and mm-hmm. I've wondered if it if it's an Allegretti or Blythe situation mm-hmm. where they're maybe not going to keep both because right. the, there are all these restrictions. So we'll see. Right. All right. That's our very first preseason game. So 19 to 16 win over the San Francisco 49ers. This leads right back into training camp. We are in St. Joe Tuesday and Wednesday, and then St. Joe closes down shop Friday night. It's the chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals. We'll continue building on these takeaways and have more marinated takeaways for you on the next edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. If you have on the TV again, I see, you know what I mean? You keep me on my toes here. If you (laughs) haven't yet, please go to your iTunes app and rate and review us. Tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, but mostly what we're doing right. Coming up on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, it's another edition of the Arrowhead Drive on Wednesday to catch you up with all your Chiefs news, followed by AP Out of Structure taking your questions on Twitter. Matt... Stagner and Ron Kopp will be doing the honors there. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.